sorry to drag you into this, but Henrik, it takes two to tango, so... <laughs> oh, fuck you! <laughs> Welcome to the Flick Lab. I'm Karri. It's episode 151, Henrik. Oh my god. Yeah. It's, it's kind of logical, logical in the sense that 151 follows 150. Yeah, revelations. One revelation for tonight is that uh, for the first time in a long time I'm recording without my proper mic, so... <laughs> and I'm recording from a sauna. As because... as a true fin does, absolutely <laughs> everything is, is, is done in sauna. So you will get married, have a child, and also die in sauna. As it's tradition in Finland. <laughs> My sister is at the summer house, the main house here, and uh, happens to have two very lovely kids. So I'm just thinking of the recording session and you guys, you listeners there out there. This might be an easier situation for you. It's all for you. And uh, something that is all for you as well, Henrik, is Satan Tango for tonight, which is a seven hour and 15 something minute film from Hungary. It, it's, it's seven and a half hours, goddamn. Uh, I, I have the weird inkling that this is some type of a like, late payback for whatever crimes I, I committed when I voiced out my my thoughts of, of about elephant sitting still <laughs> yes yeah, so, so here we are one thing leads to another and uh, here's something more candy, candy for for henrik since bellatar was the apparently main inspiration for hubo's work and his elephant sitting still which is also and i kind of can see the, see the relation now having having seen this one I there's, a, there's, a magical, there's, there's a magical place called Editing Booth, and neither one of them have ever heard of it. <laughs> I can see some relations, and I can also see that this is a bit of a different animal, not, not so much thematically as we will see. All right, first of all, or whatever is first here, first of all, let's say that this was a horrible idea. <laughs> your, your ideas typically are <laughs> no offense taken in my head <laughs> well I have to say this is also my first time that I've watched probably a film of, of this magnitude in length and must be one of the slowest films also out there that I've bothered to take a look at I, I mean as some of you may know, I do quite enjoy some of the slow cinema, but my god. Here we have a film of uh, that really doesn't care about the editing booth, as you said, Henrik. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of air there. <laughs> there's, there's quite a lot of air. But yeah, though, those who, who who are not familiar with it, Satan Tango is like the infamous movie as one of the longest movies in the existence. And also one of the yeah. slowest movies in the existence. It's a, it's yeah. like one of the like 
whenever the movie is being talked talked about, one of the like the key things that everybody always wants to point out is that is the length seven and a half hours and the fact that the movie in total has what one hundred and fifty one cuts, which means that you know average cut of the film runs for two and a half minutes versus yeah, for... your traditional Hollywood film, which has a has a one cut of two and a half seconds. Yeah, what is it like? Two hundred and fifty-six cuts in in the film. Shots I, I in don't, the film. And... Yeah, I I don't remember co- uh, completely how many cuts it is, but it's one hundred and fifty something. It's in that ballpark. It's in that ballpark. There there are some longer films like that over almost ten hour film from the Philippines, um, Evolution of a Filipino Family. That I've also tried to push on Henry's face on this podcast, but we didn't quite get there. So, is this the first time you delved into Bellatar's productions? Uh, yep. This is my first time with with Satan Tango. This is my first time with Bellatar all together. I've I've heard of Tar, never actually, but but I haven't checked him out by myself. And I also have to come clean. I haven't read. Uh, the book either which the film itself is based on i understood that you you actually went went on and read the original source material the original novel i got my I... hands on on the on the novel but i didn't read it i didn't read it um surprisingly enough i guess i ran out of time or something uh i don't know how how these things go but let's just say that just the film itself almost threatened the future of this podcast, could we say. Because goddamn, it takes some some time to get through it. Especially with the pacing and uh, the, the pacing of the film and everything that you're gonna take into account here, which kind of makes you sleep pretty fast. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, like we were supposed to do this episode maybe, I don't know, one month ago, and here we still are uh, trying, to, trying to get this together. And here we finally are. I watched it in about seven settings. <laughs> and you are you are supposed to watch it on one sitting if if you are you like to to believe Bellatar himself. And that one sitting is it's not supposed to be like it traditionally is whenever this one is is being shown in movie theaters where they the, the theaters utilize the intermissions that this movie has. The traditional way I've heard how how the movie plays out is that the first intermission is is short one. It's ten, ten to fifteen minutes, so that you can get a bit of a fresh air. And the second intermission would be something like forty five minutes, so that you can actually you know grab a bite, have a few drinks, whatever you want. But the the intermission time that the movie theaters like to give to the audiences is something from 50 minutes to one hour. Me- meaning that if, if you watch this on, on a theater, the entire experience is like eight and a half hours in, in with, with intermissions. And Pelotar himself has said that he actually champions that people just watch it, watch the movie, on go one sitting, no intermissions at all. And maybe that's at least something that Bellatar has gotten right here. I mean, after all, if I would have to take two breaks in between this film, let alone seven breaks, that would kind of make me want to go home. 
in the middle of it. <laughs> then again, at, at the same time, uh, Platars uh, demand that you spend seven and a half hours sitting in your place in, in one chair, just glued to the screen. You You don't get up, you don't flex, you don't drink, you don't eat, you don't piss, you don't do anything except just watch his masterpiece. It's it's also kind kind of hefty demand to put on the audiences. Yeah, yeah, it, it it is. So first time for me as well watching Bellatar and must be the first Hungarian film that we are we have been watching it in here. Kind of a heavy thing to to start off after the 150 celebration, but um, so there are a lot of similarities to to, to Hubo if. There are some of the listeners out there that have gone through with us to the misery lane with Hupo in Elephant Sitting Still. Or some Mint Volcano fans who still found our podcast. Most likely those. We have the gloomy color scape. We have uh, the behind the back cam, the camera following our characters for ages from behind them. But the camera does behave differently in, in the film. We are not so glued to the characters as in Hubo's piece. And there's a hell of a lot of variety in, in the camera angles in, in, in Bellatar's attempt. I, I would always make the contrary claim. I, I would say that Hubo actually had, had like more experimentation with his camera. With Palatar and, and Satan Tango, it very much the camera, but the, the main revelation that Palatar apparently had was that he went on and he, he bought himself a dolly. Because that's like, that's the, the main camera movement that you get. There's, there's a, some type of a dolly shot. Dolly forward, dolly backwards, dolly sideways. And I, I don't like mean this. To, to simply to you know you know cramp up on Bellatar or, or the film itself, but I would say, but I I still claim that Elephant Sitting Still had more variety on its camera angles and its shots, and it took more risks with it, like the way how the camera was placed in in Elephant. Okay, that that's a very interesting comment because all of Hubo's Elephant Sitting Still is. Really, just uh, the camera following intimately uh, with the characters in these close-up shots, from either from back or from front, or it's got some kind of a two-shot. Or but we have um, also kind of the uh, I don't know eccentric soundtrack. This is kind of a, a homemade-sounding soundtrack or electronic <laughs> soundtrack in Hubo's case, and here we have the accordion. So it's not any kind of a orchestra in in the case of both movies really apart from some <laughs> actual uh, child orchestra in Hubo's film but otherwise it's really this electronic and guitar pieces for simple music let's say that and same here and any thoughts on the soundtrack which drove me nuts I couldn't stand the goddamn tango scene which is the, the moment that has actually most music and like like most soundtrack in it and it drove me absolutely to the balls absolutely and there's so little music to the film overall and and i don't know what it is about this the 
I forgot what's the name of the track, but but kind of the the, the main music piece that plays in some dramatic <clears throat> moments of the film, let's say, that repeats over and over. Let's call it the let's call it the Satan Tango theme, and that also I, I don't know what is so goddamn annoying about this soundtrack, but ah. Oh, I would demand some variety. But this is the kind of case, Henrik, where uh, apparently I learned after watching the film that the accordion is used in this way to to, to give it some kind of a tango repetitiveness, which of course makes sense after you realize that it's because of that, but the music by itself doesn't really work for me in the movie at all. Yeah, the the constructual thing with the movie is supposed to be that, like you said, it, it follows kind of the, the the dance steps of of tango. So six uh, six forwards, six backwards, essentially. Yeah. And the film is kind of supposed to mirror this in everything in its execution. That the music is is supposed to. I I don't know if if they play tango music if all the music in in the soundtrack is tango or supposed to be tango but that's kinda kinda I understood that the tango theme is something that is supposed to run through the film in its pacing in its uh, in its uh, sequence of events and also in its soundscape. And whatever is playing indeed during the dancing scene on repetition that kind of makes me want to consider rat poison. Yups. Perhaps we are just not tango persons. No, I, I don't think so. Um, any differences to, to Hubo that you found? I didn't even look them that hard. I, yeah. I, 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 I did remember that, that Palatar was major in, influence on, on Hubo, or for Hubo, but at the same time, like, I've had to deal with Elephant twice. Second time <laughs> be, being me just defending whatever I said in, in the original fl- the Flick Lab episode. So now that we were like watching Satan Tango, I was like, I, I'm not going to touch the, the Hubo wasp's nest at all. I would even say that Hubo is action cinema compared to this. Like There are literal scenes where people are just eating the camera may be rotating around them uh, dollying around them but there's truly nothing going on during some of those moments uh, there's less natural light or flat light in uh, Bellatar's movie and i'm not to say that satan tango and elephant sitting still are like that elephant would be directly influenced by satan tango only or anything like that but uh we picked this film because it appears to be uh, it seems to be the the most well-known and definitely the most well-known novel at least of of the laszlo krasna horkai and and there's this non-linear storytelling that we didn't experience with hubo as well but that's all all because of the the tango element so Laszlo and, and Bellatar, they collaborated since a long time ago, like since 1988 approximately. And for some reason, there was a polit- political environment that prevented 
Bella making uh, the film already back in 1985 when the novel came out, but nine years later he was able to do that. It's um, I'm not sure if it's related directly to the to the novel's material that they were not able to do. Said uh, Tango, of course, uh, Krasnohorkai himself has stated that that uh, his books really are not directly referring to any political environment events but it's kind of easy to see some of those there it's kind of easy to see yes it's but at the same time it's kind of hard to say exactly what truly is there one of the exactly. infuriating things with with satan tango is, is the fact that it's so so open-ended in, in its in its metaphor in its messaging that you basically can kind of clue or see anything in in it and at the same time you can't actually be completely certain what truly is there that's also frustrating me so if the creators themselves say that well really it's not about the politics so what is it about what are we supposed to be seeing here just take it at face value then yeah, and that's also something that kind of repeatedly creeps up on all of the analysis that has been made about the film. And there is, actually, there are surprisingly few analyses that have been written or recorded in relation to Satan Tango. But one of the running themes I, I noticed was that basically everyone who provides his analysis always has a different take on what the film is about. To some, it's it's a condemnation of the state. To some, it's a condemnation of, a, of God and religion. To some, it's uh, some type of a, a rural Hungary versus the more cosmopolitan Hungary. And I actually read it in a way that it's it's condemning the idea of a personal freedom and it's celebrating the uh, concepts of of state and kind of spatial uh, hierarchy or like, like governmental systems. It's a, it's a type of a celebration of governance over the individual self. Yeah, there could be a place on the... the absence of authority or the something about the, the end of communism and still celebrating the, or not celebrating at all the the rule and authority something that i found really interesting one one of the video analysis was was that one guy found that that indeed when uh, there's this uh, the police captain is talking with irimiash and this scene is shot in the more standard way of you know, shot reverse shot. A, a conversation is taking place, and the shots are taking uh, kind of a, like a norm, having a normal pace, whereas the rest of the film doesn't have that. So you could take the argument that then, then now that the police chief is there, it's um, he's kind of the the rule and authority, and therefore we're following the rules of filmmaking, and we're having the normal structure here, but. The film really wants to celebrate the breaking of those rules and doing what you really want to. Yeah, I, I, I actually read the scene the same way. Like, I, I too noticed that the fact that 
in the police station, the film follows more traditional filmmaking rules. It, it has perhaps the most cuts that it has in any sequence in, in its runtime. And, and like you point out, it's shot reverse shot, basically. In, instead yeah. of the well, what happens in for, for the rest of the film, which is that the dolly is going willy-nilly all over the place while you hear pieces of conversation from here and there, sometimes following the, the two characters actually having the dialogue between them, between them. And yeah, to me, also the police station, it, it was a moment where since we now are in an authoritarian space, police station we also have some authority in the way how the film is being shot and in in the art of filmmaking and indeed the the dialogue is talking about following the authority and the rules and things like that yeah so yeah we have irimiash and yeah he's a accomplice and later there's a third party joining as well basically or it's kind of their errand boy i would even say but these two guys, Irimiash and his his buddy, they are kind of the, they kind of are using their authority or their ability to apparently just lure the villagers into anything by just the mere power of words, uh, suggested by the novel itself as well. And some people are are even referring to these guys as kind of witches, which... I did take kind of literally when starting the film. Um, I believe I didn't pull that out of any imagination by myself, but I think they're referring to them as witches and the way that they could be described as behaving during the film is some kind of a authority, some kind of a god. They can be also the satans of the Satan Tango. Yeah, that's once again the case where the open-ended nature makes it really hard to actually really say what Irimiash truly is about. And yeah. the, the problem goes so far that it's even, at the end of a film, it's it's hard to actually say what is the effect that Irimiash has on the villagers and the, the nature of that effect. Like, when when reading about Satan Tango, what but usually, people the, the way people usually paint Irimiash out is that at the end of the day, Irimiash is the bad guy of the film. He cons the, the innocent villagers and kind of a, leads them into a road of turmoil. Bad, bad things will happen to the villagers thanks to Irimiash. But at, at the same time, I actually don't think... In my, in my reading, Irimiash, yes, is a con man. And he does con the, the villagers out of their money, but at the same time, there is a kind of a positive effect on what Irimiash does. Like, even though it's it's all a con, at the end result still is that the villagers they leave the farm and they return back to the city. Which are in once again extremely open-ended movie. It's hard to say what was the character's intent here, and this is all according to my reading of the movie, but I, I took it that the movie actually agrees that yeah, that was actually a positive outcome. The, the villagers had to leave the farm and rejoin back to the civilized society, which was the more cosmopolitan Hungary. Yeah, so the story goes more or less so that, they, that the villagers own a 
collective farm. Not sure what the exact term was for that, but they they own a farm together, and and that is in financial turmoil where Iremiash now steps in and. Uh, uh, at least apparently, tries to help the villagers collectively, collects money from them and then just disappears from the village for 18 months. There's a rumor floating around that that Irimiash might might have been killed, but nope, that was the plan all along to spread this false rumor. Then he one day comes back and and uh, the kind of his plotting continues from that point forward. But all in all, it was quite hard to, to follow, uh, especially with, there's a lot of dialogue from the book told by this kind of a storyteller, which is then, <clears throat> spoilers, spoilers, supposed to be the doctor guy of the film, reading and writing the story as it goes along. Yeah, I took it the way that Irmias was never, he wasn't planning to return back to the farm, but he was forced to to return to the farm by the police who in in the police station scene they they like order Irimias to work as a spy for them and to come up with a report on how things at the farm are going and is the farm succeeding or is it not yeah i took it first quite literally indeed the, the whole witch part and i was Waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for Irimiash to to pop up to the village. Took his goddamn time, and then it just appears that he is just a regular con man, really. Uh, there was something that you mentioned that uh, rang the bells again uh, regarding something that the book is talking about, which kind of ties with the Hubo thing. Uh, this quote from the book: "It's we think we are breaking free, but all we're doing is readjusting." The locks we're trapped end quote so uh, if you want that to put put that into your reading of elephants sitting still oh boy well no hope for, for that story either no well and and I, I i still ride with that point like in in my opinion elephant sitting still like it it ends fatalistically the, yeah. all, all the characters are trapped in elephant they are, all, all the characters at the end, they continue being trapped in the kind of meaningless cycle of events and existence, where there truly is not, like, any point. Like, once they reach the elephant, all they're gonna see is one dumbass elephant, and that's it. Yeah, and cycle repeats itself. They they will find something similar that they already are trapped in. That that could be a perfectly perfectly acceptable reading as well. Well, Irimiyashi is also talking about these explosives, but that explosive spot is also not going anywhere. I was at least waiting for something explosive to come come in the end and kind of <laughs> give some action, action by the end. Yeah, but no, no explosive ending. <laughs> no, I, I was certain that Irimiyashi is gonna uh, is is gonna get the explosives, especially since the explosives are a repeated plot point. It can't. Mm-hmm. It it. Pop-ups twice in very specific scenes. The scenes themselves are built specifically for Irimiyash to talk about the explosives. And therefore, I, I really did expe- expect that Irimiyash is gonna, in the end, Irimiyash is gonna take the vill- villagers' monies and then mm-hmm. he's gonna use the explosives to get rid of the villagers in order to keep the money. And 
none of that happens. Yeah. Irmias just kind of, kind of, kind of forgets the explosives. Yeah, he talks too much. He forgot the flow of time. But and also we have some cat killing in this film, and uh, the UK film authorities <clears throat> didn't want to really proceed to give any kind of rating for this film because of this fact. And I can perfectly see why, because it looks kind of genuine. And yes, there is actual torture of the cat as well. Never mind the killing of the cat, but other than that... Alleged torture and killing. Yeah, and if the cat was indeed killed, I would buy that. I would too. Uh, so, w- with the whole cat killing thing, uh, the movie has a sequence where a little girl starts to play with a cat. And as, as the play progresses, the girl gets more and more aggressive, more and more violent. To a point where she actually starts to to torture the cat. And this all culminates into the act of the girl in the end feeding the cat rat poison, therefore killing the cat. And Pelotar has gone on record, stating that there was a vet at the at, at the location of the shooting the entire time to observing and supervising whatever was done with the cat. Basically the whole air quotation marks play scene uh, apparently was being practiced with the cat and with the girl so that the, the cat would have, would be okay with whatever was done to it. And the the whole rat poison thing was... It, it's supposed to be nothing more than, you know, just a sedative that puts the cat to sleep. And that that's it. However, uh, when, when you look at the film, if, if you study the body language of the cat, the cat does not seem to be pleased at all. Especially if you look at the cat's ears. It, it honestly to God, e- either either the cat is like a fucking masterclass actor, and I hope hope the cat has a fantastic film career for for it, for it, or then the cat truly does not enjoy what is going on. Because by God, does the cat look like like it? It, it looks like it feels feels threatened, and it looks like the cat is pissed. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And and then there's whole whole that that putting the cat in the net moment, which honestly God just limits the cat's movement. Now it's being bound and trapped, and then we can get to the whole sedative thing, which yeah yeah, granted could be what they did. It, it it's it's completely possible that they just sedated the cat, but the the cat in 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 the film. The goddamn time frame changes from night to day could be done perhaps in post editing. Could perhaps be done with 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 clever time play, like really counting in. Like w- w- okay, the cat is gonna sleep for three hours, and we we start shooting this scene at at seven a.m. when it's still dark, and by nine a nine a.m. it's going to be light and it's it's gonna be black and white and we are going to use use I don't know velvets and dados to to create more light into to create the feeling that it's daytime etc 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 could be the case but in the timeline of the movie the time frame skips from night to day that's also what it appears to be like which means that they would have had to either sedate the cat repeatedly at least twice 
or give the cat some type of a super sedative that would keep the cat sedated for hours. Mm. Or then they just killed the bloody thing and, and it really is dead. Some have even pointed out that you can actually see the rigor mortis set into the bloody cat's carcass in, in, in between the shots. So, so who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, you would think that if they really killed the cat, the, the girl who played the role of the girl would remember such a heinous thing and would have said something to the media at some point. But, but then again, it's hungry. Who knows? There's uh, surprising links in this movie in in many directions. Well, some of them less surprising, but um, they link to some of the things that we have been discussing not so long ago. For example, Gus Van Sant mentions uh, mentions Bellatar as his huge inspiration in his later work, beginning with Jerry, Jerry, which you mentioned also in relation to to Hubo in that Mint Volcano that we did. In the 150th episode, we were talking about, well, Zach was talking about the movie Lamb, which is executive produced by by Bellatar and directed by one of his students, former students called Valdemar Johansson. But so how many sittings did you have watching the film? I went through with the film in, in one sitting. Holy and, but But, but I, I did utilize the, the intermissions. So, yeah, you didn't have a piss bottle nearby or anything. No, I I took two I took two forty five minute breaks with the film, but well, I like depending on how you how you count them, it's it's one to three sittings. But it wasn't an entire goddamn day that I I, I had to give the movie in order to actually you know be done with it and and to see it in time for for our recording session. To be completely honest, it was a kind of a challenge to put something together regarding this film. It's uh, very slow, it's very dry, and judging indeed from the makers, it's kind of a matter of fact, nothing really to be read there too much, just to to, to feel the, the, the misery of the characters and the, the lack, lack of empathy for some characters that leads to deaths of at least one character and death of one cat. Yeah, and that's about it. What's the deep learnings that you got? <laughs> Since you mentioned the, the challenge of, of putting notes together for this episode, I, I had the exact same problem. But more interestingly, looking into the movie and looking into what others say about the movie. And once again, this is a point that ties extremely heavily into the film's running time. But I was surprised to to notice that whenever people talk about Satan Tango, more often than not, they use the word challenge. They they they, they make statements like, I wanted to challenge myself I'm I'm happy I took the challenge and saw the film. It's a challenging movie, etc., etc., etc. Which kind of uh, also like it, it could me thinking exactly how successful is the movie then, or is it a, is it a mm. good thing? the The fame of Satan Tango, as already mentioned, it re- relies heavily on its running time. 
with the fact that this is a seven and a half hour film, which means that if you're going to watch it and you're not going to splice it into different days, like today I watch two hours and tomorrow I watch some more and the day after that I watch some more. If you're not going to watch it this way, if you're going to watch it during one day, it's going to take like one workday worth of hours of your time. It's almost an eight-hour workday that you have to commit to watching the movie. Yeah, sorry. The sad part maybe is that really I felt that the length didn't bring, in this case, uh, really anything worthwhile to me. You could, I think you could pack this movie into two hours and I could be like, okay, that, that was okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on that point. But people really, like, what, what, like, once again, this is one of those movies that are heavily recorded in the cinephile circles. Yeah. Bellatar is a master, is a genius. Seta Tango is a masterpiece, and this is masterclass filmmaking, etc., etc., etc. But with this in mind, I was surprised to see... Like I said, I was surprised to hear how many times the word challenge was being brought up whenever Satan Tango was being referenced, to a point where it started to feel like that the reason why people really check out Satan Tango is in order to challenge themselves, in order to <laughs> kind of qualify for Satan Tango challenge, so that they can say that they did it, that they watched the movie. They, they spent seven and a half hours watching Hungarian art film. And now they, they can go to all their cinephile friends and, they'll, they'll, and tell to them about their accomplishment and be like, yeah, I watched it and it was an absolute masterpiece. It's one of the best films I've ever seen. I was glued to the screen. I, I, I had a same experience. I found all these different sides of my own being when I was watching the movie. But, but once again, the, the core drive, based upon exactly how many times people use the word challenge, would appear to be that, you know, pe people are not interested in the movie. Not, not really. They just want to see it so that they can say that they have seen it. So are you implying really that, obviously you are, but you are implying that people who haven't really watched long films would get such of an... Uh, drive or a feeling of challenge of simply watching an eight hour seven hour film seven and a half hours what have you and then after accomplishing it then because they did it they can first of all say that they did it and 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 because they invested so much time on this then they have to just tell themselves a story that oh yeah i really loved it i i can't say for certain but i haven't inkling suspicion that that might actually be something that is going on behind the the legacy of Satan Tango. This is a movie for cinephiles who yeah. want to be highly regarded as as people who appreciate art and overall, overall smart person people. They, they watch yeah. Hungarian art film instead of that Marvel shit that's in the multiplex. And I honestly, I, I started to suspect that one of the driving things thing for cinephiles, for these people, perhaps even to, you know, you and me, in preparation for, for the episode, could be the fact that, you know, the film is a goddamn seven and a half hours long. It lasts for fucking forever. So it's going to be an endurance test when you watch it. 
And after you see it, you can, you, you know, you earn the bragging rights. You can say that you did it. And because this is, once again, because it's Hungarian art film, everybody loves it. Everybody thinks that it's goddamn great masterpiece. And then you start to think that if I say that the movie kind of sucked, I'd look like a fucking dumbass. I'd be laughed at by other, other cinephiles. So then you join the band and you two are like, oh my God, one of the greatest movies ever. I could watch this like hundred times. I, I wish I can, I can revisit Satan Tango once a year. <laughs> I read that as well. That one critic who wrote that I could watch Satan Tango once a year with no issues. Okay. Uh, do you think people are that shallow or should, would it be fair to call them inexperienced and, 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 and shallow in a way that I experienced this, therefore I will tell you that this is great art. And honestly, not, not to brag, but I think we've watched better films. Uh, but uh, of course, uh, yeah, it, it's based on a novel. I haven't read the novel. There's a lot of this narration that I have no fucking clue what is going on in that narration. And, and, but overall, if I'm left with these characters, this story and not really that much even political depth to it, um, I'm left with kind of a expression of, of filth and darkness and, and, uh, lack of empathy and just those themes that we have already gone through in, in a more shorter better, more palatable form. Uh, seven and a half hours for for that, just watching people eat and staring at things. And this kind of a very theatrical uh, way of structuring those those shots that kind of takes me out. Okay, another staring scene. What are they staring at? And even these shots where the, the camera is is on a dolly and uh, we're seeing people fight or cows moving and you know, I guess you're supposed to kind of see these people and their value as, as they really are when you're given eight and a half minutes to stare at moose walking in the morning in the cow dung. I mean, and didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not as as stuff on on the movie honest to honest to god like, like i i know once again i've i've said bunch of mean things about satan tango but i didn't hate it i i thought it was okay it was passable it it was way too fucking long like <laughs> i i agree with you 100% i i do think that there's like material for two hour film but <laughs> but even even with a runtime I didn't see that the special value in all of these hours that the movie took, but I also didn't hate it. I, I thought it was it was okay, but and I I, I don't want to like judge or, or condemn people who have watched Satan Tango, people who who defend Satan Tango, or all the people who who state how this is a great movie and Pelotar. Etc. Etc. I don't wanna make the statement, the ironclad statement, that they are shallow people or that they are stupid. 
I, I don't know. I honest to God, I, I couldn't make that judgment because I, I don't know really what these people felt. Yeah, it's but, always a pers- personal experience. Who knows what it's really based on? Yeah. Yeah, but I have to state that. But the word challenge, it in people's talks, it it came up so many times that I honest to God, it, it's it's hard to actually not to start to suspect that something might be going on that. This, the movie is being being seen and watched, you know, for, for the sake of the challenge and for the bragging rights. It wouldn't even be like, like, like the first first piece of art that has gone through this treatment. There's also the Finnish book uh, in, in the halls of Alastaro, Alastaron Saleissa in, in Finland, which also, much like Satan Tango, it, it's a novel that, Basically goes through through an extremely short time period. What was it like? A like couple of hours, and it's it, it's like several hundred pages long. Which means that the, the book itself is an extremely detailed telling what happens in in the pace of a few hours. And it's it's not really like it's not an action book. It's not a thriller book. There is no like any kind of a mystery plot going on. Which it's just you know the whole book is about you know telling extremely detailed what type of a room this is and how person walks across the room and what he thinks and when does he rub his belly button etc etc etc. The whole book is about the is like this and. That book, like like the people who have read Alastarron Salaissa, uh, some of them, honest to God, have a T-shirt that states that they have read the bloody book. They they are bragging with, with the act that they have passed the challenge. They have read the book, <laughs> and I. So so when the I mean this 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 happens with art. Another good ex- example of this is like the disturbing movies Iceberg, which is like like a collection of of scat porn and fake snuff films, uh, mondo documentaries, animal torture, etc., etc., etc. And the, the whole point of going through that bloody iceberg also is to have some type of a extreme movie bragging rights, to be able to say that, yeah, I watch Guso Milk on Necrophiles. There, there, there is no story in, in like, like ninety percent of the movies in the iceberg ha- have no story. There is no characters. That there is nothing. It's just basically it's it's just like gruesome things and nauseating things being shown to you. So the main reason to actually go through the iceberg is to say you did it. So when this happens with with literature, when this happens with extreme movies, it, it happens with art together. People consume art in order to be able to say that they did it. So I I kind of don't see how Pelatar all of a sudden would automatically be above all of this. How Satan Tango would be a movie that nobody ever watches simply for for the sake of doing it. Be able to say that you did it. And especially when people constantly state that they took on a challenge. They challenged themselves. It kind of starts to smell fishy and it starts to smell like... Like it, it's hard not to suspect these people, and then you know start to think that perhaps the, the only reason they watched the movie was simply to say that they did it. Yeah. I, I hope I'm I'm wrong here. Honest to God, I, well, like I said, I don't want to pass the judgment, 
but it it kind of like it, it kind of feels like that when you think about it. Talk, talking of just jumping all over the place, but I believe I didn't show this quote yet. So quote the emerging social order that leads the villagers to seek value outside all they're ever known, end quote. Now, once again, this, this, this part really resonates with the, the whole elephant theme, where they're trying to find out, outside value. Outside of their own hometown, they are looking for that hope because of that change in their environment, that bleakness. So, yeah, that's about it. You're you're making the case that we actually made to go through seven and a half hour movie in less than one hour of podcast time. Uh, I guess so. Believe it or not, <laughs> yeah. I, I I guess Pelotar could take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pelotar and Hubo. Just a, a little bit more about that is that maybe we have already mentioned that before, but they became friends. They became friends and. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Hubo joined one of those those filmmaking uh, e- events that uh, Hubo was linked to in one way or another, and uh, he made a short film, which was probably one of them that we watched, uh, the Well One. What's the name again? Oh, well, yeah, I can't remember the name. But in any case, I I think it's that, and if not, then not. But um, he did make a short film. And uh, and Hubo signed one of his books to Bellatar, something like to my to my godfather. So it was that kind of a connection. And Bellatar did come to some of the showings of Elephant Sitting Still to give a short speech before the movie, saying all kinds of <clears throat> very direct things like. This kind of fucking thing can't happen ever again. We must do something about people who are considering suicide as an option. But yeah. But that was probably one of the the most direct translations of a novel into a film. Uh, as it happens, it seems that they didn't miss any parts, really. That all of the, the chapters of the book are in the film and essentially nothing was left out. So there you go. If you if you're really into pure translation of novels into cinema, I think you you found your thing. But yeah, even the, then, yeah. yeah, the story behind the film is that uh, Belatar read Lazaro's book like like whole years before the film was made, and like immediately was to Lazaro contacted him and stated that I, I want to make film Satan Tango. And, and Laszlo was like, you don't really want to do that. The book is is unfilmable. Yeah. You can't make a movie out of it. And Bellatar just kept bringing, bringing the thing up with Laszlo over time repeatedly. The two were friends, so there, of course there were many instances where Bellatar could mention Satan Tango and wanting to make a film out of it. So it wasn't like like a heavy bombardment. Laszlo's like message inbox was not crammed by Pelatar in over one weekend. But eventually Laszlo gives in and agrees that okay, yeah, fine, fine, try to make a movie out out of my weird book. And in order to pull it off, I, I heard that Laszlo would actually take 
like heavy presence on on the on films on the film set. Yeah, they wrote the screenplay together, right? Yeah, they they wrote the screenplay, and I I've understood that he was also overseeing the shoot of of the film. I I well, like I'm I'm hesitant to say that he was like the uncredited second director of the movie, but going through the background stories, that's kind of the the impression I got that Laszlo almost worked as a companion director to Pella. And they've collaborated in uh, uh, several projects and uh, also in the last feature film that Bellatar directed for 2011. Yeah, the, the touring horse. Absolutely. What was the the scene that that you remember the most? Or what made the, the biggest effect, if any? For me, it might be the the doctor and him telling the woman off that I don't need you today or maybe even ever. And just the, the doctor's adventures that, that was, <clears throat> I kind of felt for, for the poor guy. And at the same time, he reminded me of one of the people that I personally assisted, somebody who couldn't leave his home and uh, perhaps was in a similar state, but really couldn't move out. So, uh, he was uh, very aggressive. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, the, uh, the unfortunate thing with all the characters of the film is that they are all dumbasses. <laughs> Every single villager is a goddamn dumbass. I, 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 hate to, I, I, I hate to say this, you know, because, you know, poor innocent farmers, etc., etc. And obviously they, they have health problems, etc., etc. But still, a bunch of goddamn dumbasses. That the barkeep and the, and the doctor perhaps are the are the most most logical person persons in the film, not in counting Iramitas, who is not truly one of the villagers, seeing how he has been away for su- such a long time and presumed dead. But but yeah, the, the doctor and the barkeep perhaps the most relatable per- people in this film, the most logical ones. I I'm also kind of hesitant to give this this. Uh, a praise to the doctor because him kind of staying in the village is it's it's largely do with his his health health problems and by the end when he barricades himself inside his own house he too is a goddamn dumbass so I would say the parky the the barkeep is like or or the landlord or whatever his function is in the film like the most logical most relatable character. Of the movie, uh, I don't know about that. The bar owner, first of all, has this the most annoying wall clock in the world. Yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> oh gosh! And uh, of course, at the end of uh, depending on what your reading of the film is, the barkeep might be one of the characters who end up with the shitty ending. It, it it this relies heavily on exactly how you actually like. What is your take on the end result of Iramita's actions? Like the fact that Iramita takes the villagers out of the the village or the farm and brings them to the city. Is it a positive or is it a negative thing? If it's a ne- if you read that that's a negative, well, in that case, you know, 
the, the people leaving the farm, they are condemned. Erimios, yeah. Yeah, but if, if you read it as a, as a positive, like there will be a positive result for them all leave, leaving the farm. In that case, you know, they kind of get saved. They are being brought back into the civilization. They get new jobs. And the, the farm is kind of behind them. They got out of the farm and now they have a chance or chance of new life in, in suburban areas of, of Hungary, in, in, the, in the town where they are being left off. And in that case, you know, the barkeep is the one who ends up with the shitty ending because he gets stuck, he is still stuck in, in the farm. So it's yeah. kind of like very, very much, it's a question of how, how you read the ending, like, who who is who is who is smart and who ends up with happy ending? But but still, I w- I would say the villagers out the park not in counting. Goddamn brain defect. Yeah. What about the the dog? I read it in the way that the villagers all leave and the the dog stays in the city in the town. Goddamn barricades himself with no sunlight left. And is the teller of the story, and the story ends with him dying all alone. Yeah, the the dog most definitely is 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 done for at the end of the film. He he is going to die. Mm. And that's the price you pay if you don't follow a totalitarian, sociopathic, witchcraft person who doesn't care about your feelings and leaves you out of your hometown. Right that, that's the that's that's the price you pay if you don't leave your goddamn flat. Mm. Get out of your apartment once. Exercise. Well, he did for booze. He he did for <laughs> booze, and he almost died because he's yeah. so uh, out of touch with the concept of fresh air. He got fresh air poisoning. Also, it it, it there, there was there was rain, so he almost drowned because he had forgotten what rain is. <laughs> Didn't even take the offer of the prostitute. I was kind of destitute for him. Today. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a suicidal person who does does everything in his capable in his capacity in order to somehow die. Yeah, no joy. Yeah, but it was a joy listening to his oomphs and ahs because of the lack of exercise. Every single movement. <sighs> <sighs> It it, it it reminds everybody that it, it's it's a good <laughs> idea to, to exercise every every now and then. Even if you're seventy five or what what? Yeah, everybody should should just watch Satan Tango. Take a still image of the doctor when when like that there's a, like a full body shot of him. Make a poster a poster of, of that shot. <laughs> that I'll check off to it. <laughs> And and, and and then then contact Pelatar and tell him all about the experience. <laughs> well, um Bellatar at least has had an effect on us on some way. At least we got annoyed, we got frustrated, <laughs> we got tired. Um I guess that's the mark of uh, of of an art. It left a left a mark on us. At least I, a bit. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I've been I've been like annoyed, tired, exhausted by a movie previously. One such film that comes to mind <laughs> is Transformers. 
the last part. <laughs> <laughs> Uncomprehensible piece of garbage. And I hated every fucking minute of it. <laughs> I remember already like f- f- 10 years ago when I was in Oulu in a theater and my boyfriend at the time, ex-boyfriend indeed, <laughs> uh, always had the, the shittiest <laughs> ideas of movies. <laughs> And we went to watch Transformer, what, whatever it was. And I so desperately wanted to leave the theater in the middle of it. But, <laughs> you know, relationships and all. Yeah. That, that, that all being, being, being said, that all being said, the, the first Transformers movies, movie, movie, not movies, the first Transformers movie, surprisingly feministic piece of film. No. I have to confess. Not, not a good movie, mind you. Not a good movie by any stretch of imagination, but surprisingly feministic. All right, would we like to transform the part of the podcast into quickies? Why not? Let's let's do the quickies quicker than Pelotar can make a movie. <laughs> I think we can do that. The special mention to an actor goes to, if you actually have a one in mind. Doctor... Better battling, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if the dog has a name in the film. Yeah, but I think he had one of the most natural performances there. Some of them are a little over the top, perhaps because of the scenes requiring them to, but yeah. Or we could just give it to the wall clock. Well, that was also a strong performance. Yeah. Also, also the cat... In the offshoot trance that Pelotar did not kill, the, kill it. Quite right. I kind of am um, hesitant to actually give special mentions here, but uh, yeah. but there were there were there were there were some some good, honest to God, good performances. I I give myself to, and I'm gonna butcher the name once again, but Michali Vick, who play, played Irimias, and who also played accordion. He did the soundtrack. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, I'm gonna take that one back. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Uh, what resonated with you the most or the least? <clears throat> it it started kind of intriguingly with the cows moving on the lawn, so I'll just give it to the cows moving on the lawn. Um, well, okay, if I would have to say something more serious and. Honestly, it's it's a lot of blank, this film, for me. I've got not much to say. We've dealt with the themes, and I thought it was just way too long for this experience to be externalized or, uh, or shown to the audience. Yeah, I kind of have had the, the similar type of experience. I, I must, once again, I must state out, I didn't hate the movie. But at the same time, the, and this is, of course, it's by the design, but this is a movie where you where you can't actually keep focused, you can't stay focused on the film. It's it's like strategically designed the way that your mind will drift off, which will lead yeah. into a situation where there's a lot of blank when you start to think about it. Yeah, that may be one of the reasons why it's so... Uh, huh. Hard to connect or say something worthwhile. Your your mind is wandering out so so often, and just watching this films film in seven pieces, yeah, you forget things and you just lose interest. Yeah, 
And that that's kind kind of the the effect of of a slow cinema. What this what is the the subgenre that this film belongs to? Yeah. So one in in one adjective, how would you describe the film? Gray. I, I'm I'm gonna say long. I was yeah. I was thinking about about finding a better adjective like meditative or something. Else. Fuck it, it's all long. <laughs> Not only gray because it's shot in black and white, but yeah, gray. But but to get get into the more more difficult, the more complex questions. Oh my! Uh, would you ever consider watching the movie again? No, I would not. It's too yeah, long. I I have kind of the similar opinion. For the exact same goddamn reason, it is too long. Yeah, and the story think... content-wise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be interested. Okay, next. <laughs> Do you think that the film has any staying power or legacy? Yeah, it will have that legacy with film nerds, but it, I don't know. Should I say, fortunately, <laughs> you don't find it so often because of the length of the film. So you know, there are those very few moments where you might catch it in a cinema somewhere. Probably not in Finland. Most likely not in Finland. This is like all, all the screenings I found for the movie. They are those those small independent movie theaters that run special matinee screenings. Yeah. So I don't know. Perhaps Niagara in in Tampere, and not even them. But I do okay. agree with you that that the film's legacy will rela- resist uh, will exist through the film nerds. Maybe in some uh, you know small room that is part of the the Lapland University campus, there will be a possibility in some film class to watch it. I I would say no film class ever will attempt to to watch this one. (laughs) But the main question of tonight, would you recommend the movie? No, because of the aforementioned reasons. Too long, the, the story didn't really struck with me. And yeah. Yeah, I have to be on on similar vein with you. I I too I would not recommend the movie. It's not because I I hated it. Once again, I I thought it was okay, and it's it's not a terrible movie. I'm not banning Satan Tango, but at the same time, as it's already been pointed out, it's seven and a half hours. Like the time commitment that is demanded from you. Is is kind of crazy, and if I would ever re- actually say that you know, yeah, you should check out Satan Tango, and the person would ask me, okay, why? I would kind of draw a blank because I I don't. It, it's not a bad movie per se, but I don't find the reason. I don't find the justification to recommend anyone to actually spend the seven and a half hours with this movie. Even more so if you utilize, you know, the, the the intermissions and take breaks during the, the during the film. So because of that, it's it's perfectly it's like, like I said, it's okay. It's okay movie. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's it's okay. But yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. At the same time, I kind of recognize some biases here that. You know, if if you read an average book, then it probably takes you several several hours to to go through that. So in that vein, you might propose the question: Should movies take eight hours 
normally. And well, we have seen this trend in cinema that movies are now longer than they used to be, at least the blockbusters somehow are around uh, two and a half hours, over three hours mark. Of course, we have this kind of an unwritten rule that movies should be around two hours, three hours max. And maybe they don't need to be that. It's just that Satan Tango is kind of dull. And watching people, again, eat for eight hours, some part of the film, I just I just didn't get this feeling that while you're watching these people eat that you get something really extra about their nature or their kind of being or their value as human beings or learning something new about them. So, so, so yeah, no. Yeah, precisely. Like, I, I stated this in, in when we were guesting at Mint Volcano. The long-running time itself, it's not automatically like, like a fault. It's not a mistake. It's on itself. Like, movie isn't bad necessarily because it, it's uh, extremely long. It depends on what you, you do with the length and how you utilize it. How much meaning you, you get from it. And does it, like, feel that the movie has to be this long? There simply is no other way to get, you know, tell this story or get you give you this experience, except in, you know, in the amount of hours that the movie takes. And with Satan Tango, honestly, I, I do get part of the idea. I, I get part of the, you are, you are supposed to get tired and you are supposed to get infuriated and you are supposed to... Like your mind is supposed to wander off, etc., etc., while you're watching the film. I, I get it, but I also feel honestly believe that you can achieve the similar effect in a much shorter runtime. Satan Tango is a seven and a half hour film that does not absolutely have to be seven and a half hours. Yeah, amen to that. So, to close off today's episode, in one sentence, or complete the sentence. You really know you're watching Satan Tango when. I want to try this first. You really know you're watching Satan Tango when Punch of Cows wandering aimlessly is like the most action you get. <laughs> you really know you're watching Satan Tango when uh, you're plowing through seven and a, and a half hours of film footage and watch it in seven pieces, falling asleep constantly. <laughs> No, it that, could be that I was I was running out of air a bit when I was on my bed trying to watch this. And <laughs> oh, by the way, Bellatar, I'm sorry for for this. You will probably hate it, me saying this, but yeah, because of my available options, <laughs> I was watching the entire movie from my from my phone screen. So, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so yeah. that's the respect of cinema here. You're going to be on some kill lists after that one. <laughs> Bellatar is, is, is going to phone some Hungarian hitman after you. I've got limited amount of electricity around here. So, <laughs> screen sizes matter. Well, I guess that's the meat of it for this week. I guess that is. And, you know, if if somebody in the audience... If our obnoxious film buff, who most definitely has seen Satan Tango and really loves the movie, you know, by all means, tell us all about it. 
in our we Facebook really page or in, or in YouTube. We really would love to know, hear about you. Actually, more than ever, I'd love to know what, what is <laughs> what is making this your favorite films list. <laughs> what, what, why is it making your favorite films list? Seriously, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. C- come to come to our social media and recommend us Satan Tango. <laughs> well, <clears throat> sorry to drag you into this, but Henrik, it takes two to tango, so. <laughs> oh, fuck you! <laughs> but um, yeah, by God's mercy, we have done. This was this was fun. <laughs> more fun than actually viewing the film. Okay, enough bashing, but if you love the film, hey, more power to you. More power to you. <laughs> See you in a fortnight. All right, until then. Saat tunnaria pyöreitä, niin... Tilu, lilu, 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 lilu. Welcome to the Flick Lab! <laughs>